0: Power of great hospitality is alive and well today. Despite the growth of Airbnb, the hotel industry continues to expand. It seems that every week one of the big hotel companies is adding another brand to its portfolio. At the heart of that is, well, heart. Making guests feel welcome when they stay with you. Hotels have been doing customer experience for far longer than we have been calling what they do customer experience. Not sure if that made any sense. This is Sam Stern with the CX Patterns Podcast and from the Customer Experience Team at LinkedIn. My point here is that in an industry that knows how to deliver human-powered guest experiences, the hotel industry, knows how to create memorable moments that make guests more likely to return to that hotel or at least to that chain, that is an industry that the rest of us can learn from. And that's what we're going to do today. This is why I asked today's guest, Doug Kennedy to join me on the podcast. Doug has decades of experience in the hotel industry and trains countless hotel employees each year in how to deliver great guest experiences. He shares some of that wisdom with us in this episode and even teaches me a new Spanish word, sente pensante, sensing and thinking. One way of describing his formula of delivering a heartfelt, authentic experience that's on brand and aligned to standards, sensing and thinking. All right. Let's hear from Doug. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the CX Patterns podcast with Sam Stern from LinkedIn. I am really excited today to be joined by Doug Kennedy, who is the founder and president of the Kennedy Training Network. And here's why I'm excited to have Doug. When we think about the industries that rank the highest in terms of customer experience, hotels are always near the top, if not the top. And hotels have been doing customer experience since before we called it that, when we called it just guest service or hospitality. Well, guess who trains that industry in how to do what they do? That is Doug and his team. So, Doug, welcome and thank you for joining me on the CX Patterns podcast.
1: Thanks, Sam. Excited to be joining you and talk about CX.
0: <laughs> awesome. Great. So you you got your start in the hospitality industry a while back, and I'd love to hear what drew you to the industry, what keeps you excited about the industry, keeps you working with it. What is it for you about hospitality? I got to be honest. My first
1: job in hospitality I got because it was the largest ad in the newspaper help wanted section. Okay. Yeah, we probably already lost a few people that have never seen a newspaper (laughs) section, but I bet there are some listeners who can relate. Now, I was a college student. My parents sold the family business that I'd grown up in. My mom had a Kennedy Craft supply store. So when I was 20, she sold it. I started out working for Marriott literally because it was the biggest ad. There was a grand opening and I started out in banquets as a banquet server. Quickly found that I like being in the front of the house. So I drove the airport courtesy van, the Mm -hmm. doorman, and then the bellman. From there, I went into the end of college. I went into the management training with Marriott. And I went from Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, where I started, to Connecticut, to New York City, and then down to Miami. And I started my company when I was 20, 27.
0: Wow. Quite a few years ago. (laughs) We won't say how many, but yes, you've been doing this for a while. You've been doing this for a while. That's fascinating. And so I hear in that background with the hospitality industry, at that, there was one point at which you got into training, but why training for you? What is it about training for your company and for what you're doing with your clients that has uh, been the focus?
1: When I started out, we did two topics, two tracks. We did hospitality and guest service excellence, and then we do sales. Now, sales in hotels is either... Group sales, conference sales, event sales, like weddings, corporate meetings, association meetings, yeah. or business travel, where a company like a LinkedIn might have a lot of travelers and they contact hotel brands and they get discount rates and they're sending yep. uh, or reservation sales. So that's where uh, I started with in those two tracks. About two or three years later, I started as a one-person business in my house. Uh, two years later, I had a business partner and we started expanding to... Electronic marketing, digital marketing, selling through Expedia, Booking.com in the late 90s. We taught the hotel industry revenue management Mm. in the mid 90s. Um, But then I saw the company got very large. I had 45 employees. I had an office in a franchise office in Singapore Mm. and Frankfurt, Germany. And so it got so big, it was no longer fun or profitable. And I sold out. And in 2006, I started KTN back doing hospitality. And then hospitality
0: sales, which are very integrated topics. Yeah, yeah. So tell me then, when you say hospitality and you say hospitality sales, what are the, your clients, what are they coming to you? What are the questions or challenges they feel like, okay, this is when we bring in KTN, Kennedy Training Network?
1: You would think when hotels have really bad service or terrible sales and revenue, those would be the ones calling us funny on my social media. My Facebook friends will reach out and say, Oh my God, Doug, I stayed at this hotel. It's terrible. <laughs> you should call them. I don't bother because they don't <laughs> even care. Yeah. Me, me, Sam, our clients are on the run. they are at the top of their game many times, and they want to be even better. So they've got yeah. their act together. They already have employee entrustment or empowerment programs. They already have staff recognition. They already have some kind of service standards but they want to take that journey. I call it the journey from the head to the heart. The longest mm. one, long 24 inches. It's a very long journey to know customer service standards and to understand hospitality because service and hospitality is not one and the same.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. And I, I think that's such an interesting insight. I, by the way, I'm going to steal that because I get a lot of uh, requests from people who know me in my personal life. You got to talk to this company about their co- <laughs> experience. <laughs> And if it's that bad, it's to your point, It's that there's a reason right? for that. They are not paying attention to it.
1: They really are. The ones yeah. who are doing good and great
0: want to stay great. Yeah. And push on. Absolutely. So that is such an interesting point you ended on there with the difference between a customer service standard and true hospitality. And I would love for you maybe to tease that out for us a little bit sure. as an example that sort of stands out to you that really exemplifies that that difference. Yeah.
1: So in my definition, the guest service and your role, customer service. By the way, we have expanded outside of hotels by request. We I, This year earlier, I trained the PPAC Gladstone Bank, which is has about 500 employees in hospitality. We've also trained a lot of other theme parks, uh, amusement parks, all kinds of different things. But customer service or guest service is to me communication essentials these are demonstrative these are in person things like smile eye contact facial expression gestures listening skills service recovery okay so these are actual things you have to say or demonstrate hospitality comes from the heart Mm. so the word hosp the root word is h-o-s-p-e-s hospice is the root word of hospital hostel hospice Mm. care hotels And it has a diametric meaning that means it both sides. So it means host and visitor. Mm. And I believe that is the perfect definition because when you give hospitality, you receive the vibe right back. So hospitality is a vibe. We actually call it flipping the vibe, 5G Mm. positivity. (laughs) Uh, It is a philosophy that is the most important. Sam, have you ever had textbook perfect customer service? With yes. horrible hospitality.
0: Mm, yes, 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 I have.
1: Have you ever been Mr. Stern to death?
0: <laughs> yes, I
1: have. Hi, Mr. Stern. How are you today, Mr. Stern? <laughs> How is your day going? Or you call your mobile phone provider and they send you back to the store.
0: That's right. That's say, right.
1: Okay, Mr. Stern, unfortunately, you have to go back to the store. And you say, I already went to the store <laughs> I said to call you. And they said, yeah. Mr. Stern, before I let you go, have I resolved all of your needs? Yeah, and, but you and haven't. You say, and then they say, thank you for being a valued. All right, I'll pick on my carrier. Thank yeah. you for being a valued T Mobile customer. <laughs> no slide against T Mobile because I think they all have their challenges. Yeah. But have you ever had that textbook Absolutely. customer service, no hospitality?
0: Yeah. No, that's a great example because I think what you were uh, illustrating in that example is what I was thinking of as textbook customer service with no hospitality, where I can spot the elements of their scripting or their process notes yeah. that they're hitting to a T, but not with right. any humanity. As no you humanity. Saying. Yeah, and, and it's, that's and what it, people want. Yeah, it, they they really do. So I so let me flip this slightly though, because I think sure. I, I'm I'm really that really resonates for me. And then what I can often hear some people saying is, "Wait a minute, are you saying to us that we should just unleash?" The hum- humanity of our people, and there's no guidance, there's no guardrails. Yeah. So, I wonder then if you think about it, like, how do you have the, how do you create an environment where you're confident that hospitality is being delivered in a really human way, but also to the standards that the brand yes. has or the company has?
1: It's both together. So, in yeah. our class, we are, we either teach live on site or private live webcam. Mm. The first thing is always, why is customer service so important? In today's world, we used to have this thing called word of mouth. Yep. One person would tell 10 others. Today, one person, it's word of click or word of tap on a glass. Yep. Yep. And one tells a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, a million, as you've seen right. by things. So that's the first part. And then the second part is the hospitality, which I think is foundational. And then the third part is the customer service, guest service. You have to have it all. Yeah. I did. A, I taught a class in Mexico. I think the most beautiful resort physically I've ever been to, called Nizuk. Shout out for my client N-I-Z-U-C. And a guy there. I was talking about the journey from the head to the heart. They're really good at the Forbes and AAA hotel standards, so they know politeness, using the name three times, ask yep. permission to hold on the phone, all blah blah blah. And they and they're also good at hospitality, but. I was speaking of the journey from the head to the heart that connects the intellectual part of customer service with the heart part of heartfelt hospitality. And this guy comes up afterwards. His name is Edgar. He's now my friend. He says, oh, Senor Kennedy, we have a word in Spanish. It's called sentipasante." pasante. And I said, senti And he said, senti pasante. So sense and feel. Oh, Sense and feel. Sorry, sense and think. Senti is feel. Passante is, I guess, think or head, but it is the more, it is those people who connect emotion and intellect. So I think that is the magic formula, Sam, is to put the intellectual part of customer service with the hard part of hospitality. Now, in today's world, you do want to loosen up. Even Forbes this year, Forbes Hotel Rating Service is allowing use of first name officially. For the yep. first time ever, if the caller says, Oh, just call me Sam. So right. while we're getting more loose, still we want our people to be eloquent. So you need both.
0: Yeah. No, and I think that's such a good example, right? It's that you want it to feel like you're delivering respect and being a gracious host. But if you take that too far in the, the norms of today's society, it becomes stiff. And then that stands out in the other way. When I was a child, we didn't call any, any, any of our friends' parents by their first names. Now, all of my children's friends call me by my first name, and it would be weird if I were Mr. Stern. Right. I don't think I would answer to that. Things change. And so ad- adjusting to that, that norm makes sense while still nailing that balance of service and hospitality Precisely. that you were describing.
1: That's the magic. But the balance of the hospitality and the heartfelt and the graciousness of the intellect put together, that is rockstar magical.
0: Yeah. So question about, and and I think I heard you and I've seen it in your materials and your website, right? Not just talking about the hospitality industry that you're training with other industries too. And that's really encouraging to me, by the way, to know that other industries are unlocking or getting this hospitality insights and best practices. But going back to the hotel companies for a second, the big guys now have dozens and dozens of brands. And so how should they think and how should other companies with that many products and services or segments for customers think about specificity, whether it's a Hilton Garden Inn versus a Hampton Inn, right? Or a a Sheraton versus a Westin or versus a Marriott. How do you dial in a level of hospitality or service that still feels right and feels appropriate to that customer, but maybe feels brand connected as well?
1: That's a really good question. And I would like to pose that to brands I love you brands, but sometimes the brands now have got diluted So where yeah. the Harry brand has so many different sub-brands and they st- try to stratify some of them based on the age group, which I think is mm. absolutely ridiculous. For example, Moxie, a Marriott brand. My wife and I stayed at a Moxie in Milan, Italy, it's supposed to be for the millennials. And I go in there, I'm looking around like... At the time, I was in my mid-50s. I think I was the youngest person there. <laughs> People don't stratify, self-stratify by age group, by brand. Right. I think the brands maybe realize that since. But to me, I often say the Motel 6 is someone's Ritz-Carlton. Yeah, I love so, that. Yes, if you stay at a Ritz-Carlton, you may want ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Personally, for me, if someone calls me Mr. Kennedy, good afternoon, Mr. Kennedy. How are you? How was your flight in? I would rather have them be heartfelt and authentic. And I do think the luxury brands are trying for that. If I had a message for the brands, I would say that to remember it's the people parts that create guest loyalty, not the points. Yeah. And not the perks. Yeah. It's actually the title of my article that will probably be out when this podcast runs. It's not the points or perks, it's the people. And I give in their examples of times when I stayed at places that normally I stay with my clients or I get a deal, but actually where I stayed at places and I would go back there
0: because of the people, not, yes. the,
1: place, not the points.
0: Yes. I love that point. I My colleagues are probably sick of hearing me say this, but it is human delivered experiences are the yep. most memorable. If you think about it from a human perspective, how are we comfortable interacting with each other and living with each other. It's because we're so good at reading facial expressions, body language, tone of Mm -hmm. voice. And we remember those types of things because that was part of surviving in in tribes way back when. And, And how do you stress that to brands? I know they're coming to you for training with their people, but how do you highlight that? How do you deliver that message to brands in a way that resonates so they continue to prioritize some of these human channels when If you think about a modern hotel experience, I can check in without going to the front desk. I can access my room with just my mobile phone. There's less housekeeping than there used to be. I I can probably do it all as a touchless experience if I want to. Is that really a better experience though if I'm not going to remember it? I've always surmised
1: that even business travelers prefer humans. Now, my theory on this was always by talking to the front desk staff At hotels that were clearly catering to business travelers. For example, the Hilton at Logan Airport. I asked Mm. the guy, I said, so y'all have that self-check-in now. I'm like, how many people use it? He said, oh, a lot. How many? Oh, about 20%. (laughs) Now Hilton came out with that app, if memory serves, around 2015. And this was
0: 2022.
1: Yeah. J.D. Power says, let's see if I can read this fine print here. 30% of hotel guests had the hotel or brand app on their device, 40% had used it to check in, okay? All right, so out of 100 people that travel, 30% had the app on their phone, and out of the people who had their app on the phone, 4 in 10 used it to check in. However, more than 75% of respondents who checked in online still interacted with the front desk staff.
0: That's a great point. That's really interesting. So switching gears here a little bit, on your site, when you talk about what you do, there's a phrase that I really attach to, memory makers. Yeah. And I think we're just talking about that welcome experience and the interaction with a human that can contribute to the memory of the guest stay. How do you think about that in training and in preparing employees to make those memories for so glad guests you asked because
1: that's really the key like how do we
0: translate that concept
1: yeah you would think that would be a resort thing but again especially in today's world after COVID, there's leisure people have been blend business and leisure so she's going on a business trip she's bringing her husband or yeah digital nomads yeah um, or even memorable business trips okay to your point, how do you train that? By getting people to think about what it's like on the other side of the front desk, but not just front desk. I also train and beverage. We train op- phone operators. We train maintenance techs. The other side of the guest room door, the other side of the bar, the other side of the table. What happens is we hire people and we teach them process. Welcome to the hotel. How are you? This is the computer. Learn how to work it. This is your Digital ordering pad. This is how to change an air filter in a AC filter. We forget to say, and by the way, these are our guests. Yeah. And this is why they're here because we have a hospital across the street. 10% of our guests, they have a family in there getting surgery or yeah. therapy. We have a airport. People are leaving to go on deployment because there's a military base. Mm-hmm. And so you get them to think about the stories and then the guest becomes human. Yeah, and that's
0: from there. It's an easy jump from the hedge to the heart. I really love that. I think the framing of that in the stories about the guests, to me, it started to create narratives where I could almost picture myself as that hotel employee, being part of delivering yeah. that story as it needed to be delivered.
1: More meaningful. I,
0: I was going to ask you that question, but you just answered it. Which is, I find that done a lot of work, and before I was at LinkedIn, helping companies change their cultures. And what you find when you really start to focus on the customer truly with the culture is that the vast majority of employees, that's a better way for them to do their jobs. They really love it. They attach to that. And and the company went into that thinking, "Ah, we're going to have to turn over a lot of these employees and then are surprised that, wow, they all could do it. We just, they didn't believe we were committed to this as an organization.
1: We see that a lot. People say, we want you to train us. We're going to embark on this journey, but we don't know if these people are going to make it. This one's been with us too long. We don't know if they'll change. Yeah. But I'm optimistic. I say, let's give them a chance. Now, sometimes they don't change. Usually that person leaves on their own. Right. Sometimes right. you make a hard choice and get rid of them if they're not even trying. But most people, they don't know what they don't know.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's such a good point, too, by the way, is that when you do shift the emphasis, the people who most of the people who cannot, that's still just not going to work for them. They're going to leave yeah. now because suddenly it doesn't feel like a place where they can be successful or right. they fit in. Um, there's only a small tail that you have to exit. You have to get rid of. And when um, you
1: get rid of that last person, everyone else cheers <laughs> because they weren't a kind, hospitality
0: minded yeah. person anyway. No, and hospitality starts with your colleagues, right? So you're that's they're, true. they're you, As you said, they're cheering because they're thankful to not have <laughs> them as a colleague anymore. Yeah, Doug. This has been fantastic. I I really appreciate you taking the time sharing so much wisdom, uh, with us. Is there one final thought, one final thing you want to leave the listeners with in terms of bringing this hospitality, bringing this combination of head and heart to how they do their work or how they think about customer experience?
1: Uh, I would. We have our leaders, hospitality leadership. We don't do leadership training, but we do hospitality leadership training to the leaders who are probably the one watching this and. Uh, broadcast it starts with you and every day when you walk in power up your 5g positivity and come in and flip the vibe and yeah hospitality starts with the way you greet your first staff if you want your employees to know your customers names know your employees name if you want them to care about the customer care about them know who has a sick elderly dog or a new baby or planning their first ever cruise how did it go It starts with you. We call it three M's. Model it,
0: mentor others, and then measure it. But the first one is model it. I love that. That's a great note to end on, Doug. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And listeners, I've provided links to a few of the Kennedy Training Network resources in the show notes and links to Doug so you can find him on LinkedIn and connect. And you may well see him at an upcoming conference. He's out on the road speaking and sharing his wisdom all over the place. Doug, thank you so much for joining the CX Patterns podcast. All right, Sam. Thank you for having me. Honored to be on your show. What I love about Doug's approach is that he is so clear on the value of people, both employees and guests, in this equation of customer experience. The employees have to be prepared to deliver great experiences. And, as Doug said near the end, that starts with leaders showing up first, modeling the behavior, mentoring their employees to deliver it to, and then measuring that customer centricity. It reminds me of research I did on Hampton Inn a few years back. Just as Doug was saying here, Hampton found that the culture of each of its hotels, its ability to deliver great guest experiences, was down to the general manager at that hotel. The local leader in a sense, who modeled behaviors for the rest of staff. If that GM showed up and led from the front in terms of delivering great guest experiences, then the rest of the hotel staff would do so as well. That's the thing about customer experience. It's got a human quality, and there are endless nuances to human nature, to what motivates us, to what conditions our behavior. That was another point that Doug mentioned that really struck me. He's not getting calls from poor-performing properties. It's the top performers looking to stay on top who bring him in. Think about that the next time you're somewhere receiving a less than stellar service experience from an employee. Maybe that hotel or restaurant doesn't care and their employees know it. And more than likely, that hotel or restaurant or other service business hasn't invested in employees and they don't have leaders who are modeling and mentoring customer centricity. That's all for now. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the CX Patterns Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, I'd appreciate it if you shared the podcast with someone else who you think would enjoy it too. Thanks to Emily Tolmer, my colleague, for the logo, and my friends Moon Island for the music. They just dropped a new song on Spotify, and it's a banger. Check it out. Talk to you soon.